0: Turn my headphones up. You sound so good right now. Are you on a real microphone?
1: I'm on a real microphone. <laughs> In a world gone wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: one boy. <laughs> one microphone.
0: Well, you know, like Nas said, all he needs is one mic. All I need is one mic. One mic. One
1: mic. Between Two Runners. A podcast. With a focus on the Gainesville, Florida running scene and beyond. And beyond. I need is one mic. Let's get into the show. Welcome to Between Two Runners, my guest today, all the way from a swamp in the Everglades, Katie Murphy, everybody. (laughs) Katie Murphy. Hi. Hello. Long time, no talk.
0: A very long time, yes. I think we
1: we met back in 2002 when I came to Gainesville for a radio job, and I think you were here... Uh, going to school, correct?
0: That is correct. I am a gator. I went to the University of Florida. I was a 5 yearer It took me five years to get out of there, but finally made it out of the swamp.
1: Mm-hmm. And where did you go after the swamp?
0: I hightailed it to New York City, and I was in New York City for 16 years.
1: Did you like New York City?
0: New York City is the absolute greatest city in the entire world. I will 100% never live in New York again, but I still love her. I am just now loving her from a distance.
1: From at least six feet, maybe further?
0: Much, much further these days. I have actually relocated down to Miami. So it doesn't get much further away from New York City than where I am right now.
1: now. How is the running scene in New York?
0: oh my god running in new york is such a vibrant community it's really an amazing thing to see um, how the running scene has progressed over the years i mean any time of day you can really be out on the street and someone's going to run past you Um, there's a lot of really cool people doing really cool things um, within their communities like um I don't, I lived in Brooklyn, but there's a a crew that's based out of Washington Heights, which is um, for someone not familiar with New York city is like the very Northern end of Manhattan. Um, They do a really cool running group They're They're called we run uptown. And anytime that I'm back in town on a Monday, I make it a point to go up there and run with those guys.
1: Have you participated in the New York marathon?
0: I have, I've run New York two times.
1: How was that experience?
0: Literally the best marathon in the entire universe. Someone can fight me on this. I will stand my ground. <laughs> New York City is the best marathon to run for sure. Uh,
1: tell us about some of your your running highlights. Where did it uh, Where did it all get started for you, as far as the running stuff?
0: I think I started running like casually in like two thousand six two thousand and seven. Um, I had been in New York for just a handful of years at that point, but. You know, I finally got a job where I was making a little bit of money and you know, but also a job that comes with money comes with long hours. So I was working these long hours and would go home at the end of the day and order delivery. And I had like a new boyfriend at the time and we were just nesting and like, you know, delivery, nesting, long hours, stressful life, uh, really started packing on the pounds. So I really started running as a way to lose weight. But fun fact is that in high school, you know, we would have gym class or whatever. And, you know, whenever it came time to run the mile, like I would always just walk the track like I did not even attempt to run it. I just I was a smoker like all I cared about was like riding around in my car and smoking cigarettes and like talking to boys like I did not care about running and I was not going to do it. And so the cross country coach who was leading the class. This is my freshman year of high school. He dubbed me Lazy White Girl. Ah. And, you know, this is back in, like, the 90s where, like, you know, you could get away with saying a lot more stuff than you can get away with today. And I've, I thought it was hilarious. All my friends thought it was hilarious. But he kept this name up for me for all four years of high school. So anytime he would see me, like, hey, what's up, Lazy White Girl? Nice. H- How's my Lazy White Girl doing today? And so, um, you know, it was really kind of like a poignant moment for me when I actually ran my very first mile, you know, back in like 2007 or or whatever it was, you know, to finally do that and to kind of like, you know, silently say to him, yeah, I'm not that lazy white girl anymore. Like I can do this. Yeah. Um, And then it just kind of uh, exploded from there.
1: Was it an instant love affair after that first mile? Or did it take um, some time?
0: I would say I wouldn't call it a love affair, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I definitely it definitely was a moment for me. And it was one that I was very eager to, like, explore. Um, it definitely opened up a lot of doors for me. And after I, I accomplished that first mile, I really kept at it. Like, I committed myself to it. And it was 2008 when I ran my first race. So things really did escalate quite quickly, and my first race was um, a 10K, and um, hopefully some of your runner, your listeners out there um, have heard of this, but it was called the Nike Human Race, um, and it was a race that Nike did, um, like, I don't know how many cities it was. I want to say it was maybe close to 100 cities that they hosted this race all on the same day so my friend out in los angeles had hit me up she was like i'm gonna run this out here in la she's like you should run it in new york and She was like, it would be like we're running the race together. And I was like, oh, I can't say no to that. So (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) So that's how I ran my first race. And then I would say that's when it really kicked in, like crossing that finish line, getting that medal, having the T-shirt was when I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this more often now. Like, this is actually a lot of fun.
1: Did you go straight home and look for another race as soon as you were done?
0: Um, well, as soon as I was done, I went to the party, to the after party. Okay. (laughs) Um, but yeah, then I did start looking at races. I, um, there is a big running organization called New York Roadrunners, which is the organization that puts on the New York city marathon, but they also do a lot of smaller races throughout the year. So, um, I definitely, um, made it a point to keep track of their calendar and when they would be hosting these smaller races.
1: Do you remember when you first signed up for the New York City Marathon, and how was that experience?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I didn't I didn't sign up for it per se. So the New York City Marathon, there are several ways that you can get into it. Um, you can either qualify by time, you can you know run for a charity, or You can go through the lottery, but if you live in New York, you can do this thing. uh, It's casually referred to as nine plus one, so you can run nine of these smaller races and then volunteer for one of the smaller races and you automatically qualify to get into the race. Um, Yeah, it's really great. So um, like I said, I had kind of I really got into racing very quickly. And I was doing, you know, a handful of races throughout the years. And I was like, well, if I'm doing all of these races, why not just add a few more on? So I at least have the option that if I want to run the marathon, I can run the marathon. And then, you know, as I was doing race after race, I was like, if I do all this work, I'm not going to just do it for the option of running the marathon. Like I'm going to run the marathon. So really that's, commit to it. Yeah, I really commit to it. So I did, I ran the nine races. I volunteered at one and I, it qualified me for the marathon for the following year.
1: And in getting into that marathon, were you, were you feeling good? Were you fully trained? Was everything kind of dialed in for you?
0: I was dialed in. It's, it honestly is like the best marathon I've ran. Like it's the best training cycle that I've had. Like I really just, I fully 100% committed to it. Like I did not allow for any excuses. I I was, I, I did, I did the training. I read the books. I followed the calendar and I just, I did everything to a T. Um, my time like wasn't spectacular. Um, but I still, I gave it my all. I was able to do the marathon the entire time, no stopping. I I had my feet in motion the entire time. I flew my dad up to crew me for the race. Um, So it was cool to like have him kind of meet me at different points with like a little balloon we bought and I would like spot him in the crowd and like run up to him and he'd like toss me a bottle of water and I'd keep going and um, it was really like a moment.
1: That's special.
0: Yeah.
1: Has your dad been at other races that you've done?
0: He did New York City for me two times. Okay. Yeah. So the other races that I, the other marathons that I did were, were Berlin um, and then Chicago. So he did not join me at those.
1: Gotcha. Uh, Is there anything coming up on your, on your race calendar now that things have started to sort of return back to normal?
0: No, you know, I, it's funny. I actually was looking at the New York City Marathon for 2022 over the weekend and I couldn't find anything for it. So I don't know what's going on with that. But um, I don't I'm keeping it casual. You know, 2020 was kind of like um, a crazy in a good way year for me. So I. I, you know, just relocated to Miami in December and I'm kind of still getting my bearings here and I'm just keeping my my running fairly casual, fairly low, fairly slow. um, While I kind of just like explore the city and wrap my head around being like a Miamian now. So, yeah. Uh,
1: 2020 was uh, was a strange year for a lot of people. You yeah. Know, a lot of people got furloughed, myself, you included. Yeah. Uh, you decided to pack up and hit the road. Can you tell I us a, a little bit about that experience?
0: Yeah. So um, I'm actually very eager for time to move forward. And I can actually just stop telling this point of my story because it's such a small blip on my timeline. Um, so at the end of 2019, I was actually moved down to Fort Myers, Florida for a job. And I was there for about four months when COVID decided to say, hey, guys, what's up? (laughs) It's my party now. (laughs) Um, And once COVID hit, the company that I was working for laid off a third of their workforce, um, which were the numbers were in the hundreds of people that got let go. Wow. And I was one of them. And since I was still new to this town and I really wasn't feeling the town to begin with, I did not anticipate being able to find new work there if I wasn't working for this particular company any longer because like, what I was doing at the time was incredibly niche, um, which was fashion marketing. Um, and anyone that's familiar with Florida knows there ain't a lot of fashion going on in Florida.
1: Especially in Fort Myers, I would imagine.
0: <laughs> Especially in Fort Myers. So, you know, I kind of like, you know, weighed my options, like I could stay there and, you know, just apply to jobs every day i could go back to new york and you know find a place in new york and pay out all this money for rent when not not knowing if i could get a job again in new york and i was like things are so uncertain i hate it here i can't stay here there's no point in me staying here because i know i'm not going to get a job here i'm Breaking my lease. I'm throwing all of my things into storage. I'm going to pack my car up with camping gear and I'm just leaving. I'm going to hit the road. I'm going to camp. I'm going to save money this way. I've always wanted to do a crazy road trip. I'm going to do it now. This is my time. I'm going. And I went.
1: Yeah. It was like the universe was telling you something. And then you were like, hey, there's my sign.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes, it really was like that. And and some things that happened prior to COVID kind of taking hold, which, you, you know, I won't necessarily get into that kind of like um, sparked, um, sparked some things in me that made making the decision to do this a bit easier.
1: Now, as you were traveling across the country, did you explore a lot by foot, getting in some miles and whatnot?
0: Not necessarily through running. There were So running for me is a way that I kind of reset my attitude. Um, If nothing else, like running is what I use to take me back to ground zero, where I can start rebuilding my mind, my emotions, my attitude all over again. So there were definitely times on the road where I was feeling a little aimless and a little lost because I was out on the road for four months. Um, And, you know, I embarked on the journey really not knowing when it would end if it would end and you know when you kind of are are really just continuing to walk into the unknown you know there are times where it just kind of feels like well like what like will this end what am i doing yeah,
1: what's um, around the corner
0: yeah so whenever i had those moments where i was just feeling a little lost i would wake up the next day and even be, without brushing my teeth without even having the time to think about it i would just throw on my running clothes and i would hit the road um and that's when I would really do most of my running. But a lot of my on the foot kind of traveling was was hiking, um, you know, f- fully booted up and that sort of stuff with, with a day pack on and everything. So I was getting in miles, but not necessarily running.
1: What does your self-talk sound like when you're out there putting in some miles?
0: Um,
1: does it get negative? Do you, are there dark patches that you have to work yourself out of?
0: I mean, in my mind, I definitely have 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 solved all of the world's problems right. for sure. Um, I've solved all of my relationship problems too, if just the other person would listen to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but why well, uh, won't you listen? <laughs> yeah, my self talk is really. It doesn't get too negative. It never gets too dark, right? Because I feel like once you have accomplished something so great as a marathon. And I know that you have done races even greater than that. And you have friends that are, are ultra marathoners too. Like I feel like once you cross that point one time and you know what you're capable of, giving yourself excuses is a lot harder, right? Getting down on yourself is a lot harder because you, you fucking know you can do it.
1: Right, because you've already put in all that work.
0: Yeah, and it's like, you know, even though it's been years now since I've ran my last marathon, like, you know, I'll go out there and and hit a three mile or a five mile or whatever. And even then, you can still have tough days, right? But it's like, when when I start not feeling it, just being like, ugh. Like it wasn't a good day. I don't want to be out here. I just want to be at home on the couch watching TV. It's like, dude, it's five miles. Just shut up and get it done. Like you've you've done much much harder things than this. Like just get it done. And that's usually that's usually how my self talk goes. All
1: right. How do you like to treat yourself after a run?
0: Oh, I'm definitely an ice cream girl.
1: Okay. Yeah. Is there a favorite flavor?
0: Oh, Hagen Daz caramel cone. Okay. I did not need to hesitate on that.
1: No, that didn't take I- any time at all.
0: I and actually, this is uh, not going to be relevant probably by the time um, it's available for people to listen to. But it's uh, buy one get one free at Publix right now. So my f- my freezer is stocked with and Dazs.
1: Okay, so that's good until what Thursday?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's normally how their sale cycle goes. Yeah. Not, not that I know anything about that. <laughs> Uh, do you do you listen to any music or podcasts while you're out running?
0: I don't. I'm really like um, like as naked as you can be running. I don't wear a watch. Like I I have my phone going that to track my mileage, but I don't wear a watch that does the heart rate and the this and the that. I don't do music. I'm really just try to um, be as much of I try to be as one with nature as much as I can. So. No music for me. And also kind of coming up in New York with my running, it's really like a safety thing too, right? Because in New York you have people all around you, you have bikes all around you, you have cars all around you, and no one's really paying attention to anybody else. Um, And then kind of when I was, you know, when I'm out and about in the wild, again, it's a safety thing. Like you want to be able to hear if something's stalking you, you know?
1: gator or a giant python.
0: Or a bear or a mountain lion, you know, so. Yes. You always want to have your wits about you. And I think running without music is, is my way of doing that.
1: Now, as you were traveling across the country, what were some of your favorite places to, to run in? Uh,
0: well, southern Utah is my spirit place. So my favorite place to run and to really just do anything is like around like the Lake Powell area, like Page, Arizona, the Glen Canyon Recreation, National Recreation Area. Like those are all kind of like one pinpoint on the map. And that's just really my favorite place in the entire world.
1: Yeah, Utah is beautiful. Yeah, it's on it's on the list for sure.
0: I was listening to one of the previous podcasts about the Bryce Canyon 100. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like I've been there. And like they were talking about the hoodoos and like the trails and all of this. And I was, I could like see it in my mind. It's it, like Utah is honestly one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like uh, uh, it does not get enough credit.
1: If you could wake up anywhere, would Utah be the place that you would?
0: Uh, 100%. Like okay. I, I, I didn't know I was a desert girl until I was in the desert. And ever since then, it hasn't been the same.
1: Has your relationship uh, with running changed over the years?
0: No, I still love it. I'm still out there, you know, a few times a week. Like it's still, it's still a huge part of my life. Um, you know, I'm very eager to get my mileage back up and so that I can use running as like a, a genuine form of like commuting mm-hmm. um, and traveling. Right now, it's really just a, a form of exercise and a, a form of stress relief.
1: Now, because you were traveling around and in, in all the different parks and whatnot, did that make you uniquely qualified for your new job that you're at now?
0: I would say, uh, I would say yes. I mean, they, they flat out like told me. So I relocated to Miami to work for a nonprofit that supports the national parks in South Florida. There are four national parks. It's Everglades, it's Dry Tortugas, um, Biscayne National Park, and then there's also Big Cypress National Preserve. So I got the job offer when I was on my trip and I was actually in Salt Lake City when they put the offer through and, you know, they said to me, they're like, you know, you're out there doing it like your experience in the parks like you know the parks like it's clearly something you're passionate about like it's not just words on paper that you're saying to like you know try to win us over like you clearly care about these things so we would like to have you on our team um and I actually declined their first offer (laughs) um
1: why was that pretty
0: Yeah, I just, I was not ready to stop my trip at that time. Um, I hadn't even reached California. um, And they wanted to, they wanted to have me in Miami, like in person in Miami, like a week after they made the offer. And I had been looking for work along the way, um, you know, the entire time that I was on my trip. But I always took it as like, yeah, if I were to get an offer, they're probably going to want me to work remote because like, that's what all of my friends are doing. Like they're working remote and that's fine. Like I can set up shop at like a library or a coffee house and kind of like slowly make my way to like wherever this new job is. But they really wanted me like in person a week from when they made the offer. And I told them, I was like, I cannot, I can't like, I'm just not ready. And it was really like a, I spent like a weekend of like soul searching and like talking to my dad and like all of these things, and, and at the end of all of it, my answer was, like, no. Like, I cannot give this up yet. I'm not ready. And the chairman of the board of directors called me the day after... And um, he was like, hey, I I battle these things, too. He had just come off of like a really crazy long camping trip with his family. And and he was like, I'm a free spirit. He's like, I battle I battle the two differences all the time of being a free spirit and being a business person. He was like, if we gave you some additional weeks, he goes, do you think that would make the difference? Like if we pushed your start date back? And I said, yeah, I said, it's the start date that's holding me up. Like, I just can't. I can't come to you right now, like I'm not ready. But if you guys gave me a few more weeks, I said, yeah, I can make that work. Um, So we made it work and I started my new job on December 1st.
1: Nice, and how's it been working out so far?
0: It's been great. I've been able to spend a lot of time in the national parks down here, getting to see like some behind the scenes kind of things that like your everyday visitor wouldn't be able to participate in. And that's been really awesome. Um, But now I'm really working to like, you know, finding a way that your everyday person could experience these things or if not experience them, at least know that they're taking place because there's so many wonderful things that our national parks are doing to like preserve the land, restore the water, do all of these things to, um, you know, make our state and our country and our world a better place, um, at least environmentally speaking.
1: What are some of the things that people should know about the parks that you're working for right now?
0: So, I think that one thing that most people don't know is that national parks generally rely on a nonprofit to raise money for them. Um, I think it's a very well kept secret for some reason, but a lot of people think that because these national parks are national parks run by the National Park Service, that all of the money that they need comes from the government. And they do get a lot of money from the government, but there's always things. There's always additional programming that they want to do that they need additional funding for. And that's where a nonprofit like us comes in. Uh, But like, you know, Yosemite has one. The Grand Canyon has has a nonprofit attached to it, um, because since these parks are government units, they cannot ask the American people for money. They cannot solicit donations for themselves. It requires like a third party to kind of help them out and, and boost up this programming that they're offering.
1: Sounds like you're doing God's work.
0: <laughs> I don't know about doing God's work, but I hope that I'm at least doing good work.
1: What would you say your favorite thing about running is?
0: Oh, yeah. How do I say this? I think that um, running to me is me in my most natural form. I think it. I think when we are running, we are the people we are supposed to be. Like we are in nature. We're using our bodies the way that they were created to be used, and we are, we are just one with the world around us. Like, I know that, you know, a lot of people use running as a way to kind of zone out and zone in on themselves and kind of work through their own problems, um, but I really think it is the greatest way to be a part of the world around us is through running.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you. It- <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up?
0: Oh my god, yeah. Are we gonna talk about how you and I know each other?
1: Yes, we could talk about all that <laughs> fun stuff, sure.
0: Yeah, so do you want do you wanna tell people I know you we talked about being in Gainesville and working at the radio station, but are there I remember I remember coming into the station like while you were recording like commercials and that sort of stuff, and we worked out of this like little like shanty. I don't even mm-hmm. remember what street it was on, but like like yeah. the the backwoods of Gainesville, like this radio station.
1: Kincaid Loop is what, yeah, that area.
0: Yeah. way
1: out on the east side. It was a yeah, a little brown building in the middle of this field, and and that was it. I even had a raccoon run across my foot one night.
0: Did you? Yes. That place did get really creepy in the evening.
1: It did indeed. Yeah. But I remember that I was playing a character, and you had to take me out somewhere and drop me off and pretend like you'd thrown me out of the car.
0: I vaguely remember that. What?
1: We were doing like this whole skit, and then you called into the radio station saying, yeah, you picked up this weirdo, and you had to throw him out on the side of the road because...
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, good times. Good times.
1: Do you miss radio at all?
0: Um I think if I think if I knew how the world and how communications was going to unfold in the following decades, I probably would have positioned myself a bit differently professionally, for sure. Um, not necessarily like radio, but yeah, if I knew social media was gonna be a thing, Boy, I would have been the original influencer. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I I was on MySpace all the time. Mm-hmm. I was on Twitter, like the whole thing. So, um, but you know, the older you get, the less time you have for, you know, these kinds of things. And you know, you got bills to pay errands to run yes can't be tweeting all the time i mean unless like you know you're impeached president or something like that but
1: but i must say that your your instagram feed is one of my favorite things to follow in the whole wide world
0: i really appreciate that i love seeing your feed you know i think what is interesting about us coming together right it's like now is that you know we had we worked together way back when we went our separate ways but somehow we both found running in our own ways and that's kind of what has brought us back together and I think what really reconnected us even years ago on like Instagram or whatever was like this love of running because you're always out and about all the time on the trails and I'm on the street all the time and you know it's just it's been really cool to see like you grow through running and the kind of community that you've built around yourself and you know Because, you know, life can go in such a variety of ways, and I think that um, you have something really great and amazing and positive going on.
1: Oh, thanks, Katie. That means a lot.
0: You're welcome.
1: You're the best.
0: Thank you. I like to think so. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking.
1: Well, it's true. It's all true. Well, thank you so much for for hanging out and taking time with me.
0: Thank you. It was my pleasure. (laughs)
1: Thanks for listening to Between Two Runners, a podcast brought to you by The Athlete's Den, Two Rules Running, and Dan Case. Hey,
0: get that fool! Get hey, that fool! It's the perfect timing, you see the man shining, go and get them goddamn diamonds! Huh? Hey, get that fool!